I want to talk about continuity of practice because uh, it will become very relevant over the next month or so um, as, we, as we get into this stuff deeper and deeper. Goenkaji often says that continuity of practice is the secret of success for meditators. And I wanted to talk about what he means by that. A few weeks ago, we talked about the enlightenment factors, the qualities of consciousness that the Buddha talked about that are cultivated in all of our meditation practices to some degree or other. And two of those factors that most of us, if not all of us, are familiar with is mindfulness, one, and concentration or samadhi. Uh, Samadhi is often translated as one-pointed attention. Um, It actually more literally translates as wrapping around, as if a group of people are wrapped around or enclosing like a campfire to surround. Um, Samadhi is uh, often translated, though, as one-pointed. It can be misleading, but it means to wrap awareness around an object and to sustain it. The relationship between mindfulness and concentration is really important as we move into deeper states of concentration and and deeper meditation. Mindfulness is really just our ability to intentionally be aware of something. It's just our ability to intentionally bring awareness to an object. That is basically the quality that we develop in meditation. Mindfulness is intentional attention. I'm aware of my hand. I'm intending to be aware of the object that I call my hand, this sense of energy and space, intentional awareness, or knowing the body sitting. I'm intentionally aware of the sensation of sitting, and that's the object. Robert's famous line, please be aware that you're seeing. Intentional awareness of process, this process of seeing colors, shapes, and forms. We can intentionally be aware of almost anything. Mindfulness is the ability to keep an object in mind intentionally. Concentration is our ability to do that for more than one moment. So mindfulness is, I'm gonna bring my awareness to my hand. My mind wanders off. I'm aware that it wanders. I bring it back to the object. I'm there for a moment or two. And then it wanders off again. I invite it back with some ease, some effortlessness, maybe, maybe some effort. And then all of a sudden, oh, look, my mind is aware of my hand for one, two, three, okay, 30 seconds. It's just aware of hand. That is samadhi or concentration. Concentration is continuous mindfulness. So I often look at it as stringing beads on a necklace. Every time you have a moment of awareness, that's a bead. If you have two moments, that's another bead. Continuity is when you string the whole necklace together and mindfulness continues where you would like it to be from moment to moment, from moment to moment, and the mind does not wander off. The mental energy, or you might say your mental muscle, that's required to bring the mind back to the hand or the breath is slightly different than the energy and intention required to keep it there once it's been invited. So it would be like calling a puppy from across the room, come here, and the puppy runs over, but then you have to keep the puppy because that's where you want the puppy to be. One is the calling back and one is the sustaining. Samadhi or concentration 
is the ability to learn to keep the mind present once you've got it where you would like it to be. Once you're actually suddenly aware of the breath, in-breath, out-breath, and then you can get it for the next in-breath as well. That moment is called concentration, that continuous mindfulness. The reason the Buddha distinguishes one from the other is because the mental muscle required is slightly different in practice. You can spend a whole sit being becoming awake and aware to the wandering mind, and then you bring it back, and it wanders, and you bring it back, and that's a particular practice. And then all of a sudden, mindfulness gets established, and for 15 minutes or so, you're just breathing, and you're just there with breath. And that ability to sustain is now a separate type of muscle. It'd be like bicep, tricep kind of thing. You've got these alternate muscles that are both working together, but they're slightly different, what's required to keep. And if we remember from the one talk I did on the enlightenment factors, cultivate, sustain, and balance. Cultivating mindfulness is becoming awake and aware and bringing the awareness back. Sustaining is the concentration, keeping it there for longer and longer periods of time. Continuity of practice is just concentration, continuous and sustained mindfulness, being able to stay moment to moment. The reason concentration as an enlightenment factor is so important, and you can translate it in your head. Whenever you hear the word concentration, just think continuous mindfulness is much easier. Because in the West, we think of concentration as straining, like I'm going to be concentrated. But that's really not what we're taught. We don't want that kind of clinging involved in our concentration. Um, so it's not that type of concentration. Um, so the reason it's so important is that we are bringing the mind into the present moment because it's in the present moment that both happiness and suffering are caused. The present moment is where life takes place. Suffering takes place in the present moment and the cause of suffering is also taking place in the present moment. Our ability to shape our experience only happens in the present moment. And that's the place we need to be to be free because that is where all the work gets done. So if our mind keeps wandering away, it's harder and harder to see what exactly is the cause of my dukkha in this moment. The present moment awareness, as it gets sustained and as we do this continuous threading of mindfulness, the clarity of what causes your suffering becomes really tangible. The cause of your happiness and your ability to change the shape of your experience also becomes clearer. So sometimes you can look at mindfulness and concentration as cleaning a windshield. So as you start to apply mindfulness, you start wiping, and then as concentration gets established, the mud comes off and suddenly present moment is clear. And you're like, oh, this is what's causing the dukkha. I can change. I can abandon that attachment that clinging, that craving, that fear, that, that grudge, whatever the case may be. So part of the reason concentration is so important is that the more continuous the mindfulness, the more clarity the observation of the suffering, the more clarity the observation of the way out of the suffering. The longer you can be in the present moment, the easier it is to do the work that needs to be done. And the present moment is the only place, it's not really a place, but the present moment is the only place that that work can be done. So that first challenge for all meditators is can we manage our hindrances and can we bring mindfulness continuously into the present moment, bring us into the present moment and string together enough moments to be able to see how we're reacting, how we're feeling, how we're being, what self is arising in this moment. 
And that's where the real freedom starts to happen. When we can stay in the present longer because we can see the truth that's in the present moment much clearer and more frequently. So that's where concentration is so important to our practice because we want to be able to keep moments of mindfulness together one after the other without losing that, uh, that insight of what's happening. So that's the relationship between mindfulness and concentration. And we call that continuity, continuity of practice. On the cushion, continuity of practice is what we're all very familiar with. The mind wanders, we bring it back. That's our primary establishment of samadhi, is that moment of working with what's distracting me, can I bring it back? So that's, that's something that we, there's all kinds of tools and we can go into that in its own right. But that's what happens on the cushion. What I wanted to have a discussion today is about how practice in daily life establishes concentration, because we don't often see it in this way. I'm a big proponent, proponent of daily practice because the hindrances are so powerful. We live in a world, we live in the world where most of the time we're on autopilot. We live in a hindrance mindset and that if we're out of the present moment, 99% of the time what's actually guiding our actions are previous choices that we've made, these habits that we've made. And a lot of these habits are what cause the suffering. So that force, that whole life energy that's been happening, habit after habit after habit, has to be counterbalanced with our mindfulness practice. So you have to think, even if you get up, I sit for an hour every morning before work. For a lot of people, that seems like a lot. After that hour, I then spend 12 hours doing a bunch of other stuff that is not quiet. So that one hour, though, in and of itself, has a lot of mindful moments, and I'm practicing, and I'm bringing my mind back, and I'm doing a bunch of stuff. When I leave that cushion, the rest of my day, a dozen hours plus, is not doing that. So that transition between learning to be on the cushion and having what goes on in the world and to structure our days with mindfulness is really important because so much of our time is off the cushion, right? That is where the second phase of continuity really takes place, is can I bring what I'm learning in my practice into my daily life? And can I bring continuity from when I wake up in my morning routine? Can I establish mindfulness in different ways in my workplace, in my relationships? And where can I establish and bring myself back to the present moment? And how do I learn to do that? How do I learn to establish continuity in daily life? So I wanted to talk about that a little bit in the spirit of a previous conversation we had about normalizing talking about our practice. I really wanted to talk about what hangs us up in not getting the daily practice in and how, and if, it, if we are having a daily practice, how is it that we can do that? What is it about a daily practice that works? How do we work it so it's really doable for us day in and day out? Because establishing the daily practice is the foundation of continuity. It's upon your daily practice that the next layer of continuity is established. So every time you sit, you're reminding the mind, hey, come back to present moment. I want you to come back to the present moment. So if you sit every day, every day you're sending a cue to the heart and the mind, I want to be present. I want to live fully in the moment. And so that you're sending that message to the hindrances, we're going to be steering the ship a little differently now, right? We're going to be doing this in a different way. So that daily practice is absolutely essential, even if it's only a few minutes of reminding the mind to be present. It's really 
um, a foundation for all of the other mindfulness that you would do, mindfulness of brushing teeth or of cooking or cleaning or whatever you do in life. If we don't have that daily bounce back to the present moment, if we don't get to fall back routinely into the present moment with our daily practice, it is hard to build further continuity without having that as our base. So I wanted to talk about that today and do some brainstorming as a group on what gets us tripped up with our daily practice. And if we do have a daily practice that works, what is it that helps us get that accomplished day to day? So I'd like to do is, uh, this is the part where we break up into groups. (laughs) Uh, If you could meet with three or four people, um, and I'd like to just to do these three questions. Uh, The first thing is just say, how often you practice. It doesn't matter what practice you do, but how often are you doing some kind of formal or intentional meditation during your week? How often are you doing it? Why are you doing it for that amount of time? Is it because you've chosen to do it that amount of time? Are you bound by workplace, children, pets, uh, stress, other things in your life? What is the choice to practice that many times or for that, for that duration? Like, what is that choice that you've done? And Are you interested or do you have a goal to practice more or less? Like, do you have an intentionality around that? And so then I like to talk about that. I like to have a group discussion around. The third part of the, the last part of that is, if you do have a daily practice, how do you do that? How is it that you're successful at that? If you do it three days a week, how do you do that? How do you let, how do you make sure other things don't get in the way? What success have you been able to do? Because for some people sitting twice a week, that's a huge success because they're, they have three jobs and four kids and a bunch of other stuff they're dealing with. How do you make that successful on those days? How do you get in your practice daily to establish continuity? That's the real conversation I'd like to start and then we'll do it as a group. So let's take 10 minutes to have that conversation and then we'll ask some more questions about that. I heard some good stuff. Yay. <laughs> Are you sending Jordan back? Yeah. <laughs> you shut me away. <laughs> so practice. So, first thing, I just want to hear from a few folks what you talked about in your group in relationship to what is the biggest stumbling block? establishing continuity of practice in your day-to-day what are the big things that trip us up in practice for continuity children children yes and what is the biggest way you find that my child has grown so it's completely different for me but in our group i think the responsibility of children was a big thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah when do you fit that in well, her. <laughs> I have to wake up at 5 a.m. to get my practice in. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it takes a lot of diligence and dedication. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you have to really want to do it. Yes. Because that's not going to be pleasant. And if I don't, it's a, it affects how I am with them. So mm-hmm. that's okay. also something else, yeah. Okay, okay. And that hits on something we'll talk about in a second, but finding value... Mm-hmm. And knowing what the value of the meditation is can help motivate us to get us on the cushion. Because oftentimes, getting a regular practice means you're going to practice whether you want to or not. In the same way you might brush your teeth or shower or do other things that you have to do it. You may not be in the mood, but you're like, I'm going 
going to do that before I go out. Um, so oftentimes finding the value and knowing what the value is, even though in the moment you're like, oh my gosh, like not wanting to do this right now, but you know, after the fact that it's worth, worth it and establishing that necessity can be really important. And sometimes we don't think of it in those terms, but we have to, in the moment, skillful effort is reminding us of wise view, which is I'm going to be less suffer less suffering if I do this, even though in the moment I'm just tired and want to stay in bed. And that really is a part of successful practices, establishing the value. Yeah. What other things trip us up? Having a dedicated space, Robert always talks about that. It is really important. Or having a place that can be like created quickly. Like it's over there, but right now there's a chair. But in the morning, the chair moves and that's where I sit kind of thing. Having a dedicated place. Part of the reason it's so important to have that if you can is that the way the brain wires the experience, literally neurologically, is that if you have a space that you go to every time, as soon as you sit in that space, you, your meditation will begin before you even intend to. Like the habit of being in a psychological space that is routine will create a neurological pathway that says, I'm in this space now. Meditation begins. And so that is really helpful. Same if you have like, candles or incense or things that you might do other people have photos if it's a space like that that when you walk by and look at it it's that same thing of like that is the meditation space and so that cues the mind continuity cueing the mind to, to remember to sit can be helpful if you have a place i have a location where i sit every morning with my cat and he has his place and i have my place but i have my cushion and my blanket we go into the other room and we have a place that we sit together um, so you have a little cushion and blanket if i have a separate cushion out he does sit on the cushion yes and if i leave my cushion out he sleeps on it so he does like the cushion that is so weird but my boston terrier has to sit on my lap that is so strange. And my cat knows when, yeah, they do. And my cat knows that when the bell starts, that's where we, we go in. And then when the bell ends, then there's treats. So he understands the way this whole thing works. So, and I'll actually go in and say, come on, it's time to sit. And he comes in and we, we sit together. Space, kids, what else? What else is the stumbling blocks? It's good to, to work. New York Times puzzle. Uh, <laughs> Work and New York Times puzzle. So what is, oh, oh, hold on, what is the New York Times puzzle? This puzzle. And in the morning I want to get up and see if I solved it. And then, and for years I, before the, I discovered the puzzle, I used to meditate first thing in the morning. So I switched my practice till the middle of the afternoon, which I can do because I'm retired. And I can meditate, but first yes. thing in the morning I want to know the, what happened with that damn puzzle? <laughs> yeah. Some people have said something similar that they're either very into social media or email and really they get up with the intention to sit, but then something goes across Twitter and then they're done. <laughs> like meditation won't happen because something else comes into that value slot and becomes more necessary. Um, and so the, what you, a good point around that is once you establish a routine – you want to try and do it as regular as possible. Like if you do it in the morning, then you know, you'll wake up like, oh, well, maybe I'll do this other thing first. And then the intention is gone. So you want to try and stick to that intention and not allow that other value because it's like there's so many things that distract or can get in the way of that. And that focus, that's what we call wise effort and wise intention, really being intentional. In your case, your intention is I'm, I know that puzzle is going to take my attention, attention. 
So I will then intend to have this over here at a different time in the day where that is. Um, and work, yes. Do you have a particular thing around work that makes it more challenging to get in daily? It's just a lot of hours. So, you know, you wake up and you're getting, you're getting ready for work, then you're at work, then you're home from work, and, and it's like there's the day. And yes. Then, and then you're tired. And then you're tired. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Very challenging with work, especially if you have, like, commuting, so you've got your hours and then your travel and then your home and then all the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, work is one of the biggest things. One of the biggest things. So one thing to do if you have a work schedule is if you have any breaks during the day, 10 minutes, a lunch break where you've got an extra 15 here or there, as long as you're getting it in, sometimes the getting ready for work and getting to work is so stressful, so busy making that doing it before work is not helpful, right? And then for some folks, it's the opposite, like doing it before, like for me, if I don't do it before work, it's like I'm doomed. I'm just do, like, I just know myself well enough, like, and, you know, it's like every other day, it's like, oh, I just wish I want to snooze because it's an, you know, it's like I have an hour, I could just sleep. Um, but no, I don't, I do the meditation. But if I wait, then as the day goes on, the chance of me sitting again wanes and wanes and wanes until it's like, oh, I got to go to bed. Well, I guess I can sit for a few minutes before bed, but I just know myself. It's like I'm too tired and I'm too irritable at that point after a long day. So knowing when to meditate for yourself, morning, afternoon, evening, on breaks, while driving, if you don't understand how to do that. Not, not all meditations, don't do walking meditation while driving, like the kind of meditations you can do while driving. Um, so yes, the work schedule as well. Um, those kind of things are really challenging. It is really helpful, part of skillful effort is to learn to establish this continuity of practice, which means learning to have a daily practice. And again, even a few minutes a day, that routine of five to 10 minutes a day tells the mind, I want to be in the present. I want to be in the present. So that's the first thing to remember is get a five, 10 minute practice down. Just get that first if that's the biggest struggle. Find a place, find a time and do your five minutes and just track, that's gonna be what you do. That's the celebration. Cause that really is where you start. Quickest way to do something for a longer period of time is to do it for a short period of time. Start off with a shorter period of time. Train the habit of the mind to get to the cushion or the couch or wherever you do your sitting. I have a couple other suggestions for continuity which can be really helpful for practice and will sort of provide a structure for the formal sitting. And so there's a few things that people aren't often aware of. This has to do with intentionality. So there's this thing that I like to call continuity cues. This comes from behavioral psychology. Reminding the mind to come back to the present moment. And students have come up with all kinds of different ways of doing this to create continuity in your day. Most recently, a student said, whenever I'm standing in a line, that's my cue to be mindful. In the morning at Starbucks, when I'm waiting to get into a store at the bank, anytime I'm in a line, I practice my metaphrases. So every day when there's some line that line might include a line at the stoplight. So this student was talking about that's their cue to be mindful throughout the day. Another student used to tell me every time they put their hand on a doorknob, that cues them. And they try to do meta or do mindful breathing or a body sweep when they do that. Another example would be like walking through a doorway or if you have to get up out of a chair, like in my job, I get up a lot from room to room. So I often do when I get up and as soon as I take that step, I try to be mindful 
of the body. So looking at your day and saying, where can I create these cues for myself? What kind of life am I living that has repetition? And can I create a continuity cue that says, oh, when this happens, I'm going to bring my mind to breathing or I'm going to say an aphorism or I'm going to check in with the sensations in my forehead or my nose or whatever the case may be. So looking for those opportunities, that repetition will do wonders for your practice. Those little things go a long way. That continuity is huge to establishing samadhi. Can't be underestimated. It's not a small thing to have cues throughout your day to bring your mind back. And you have to know what it is because it's otherwise the day just takes you. That energy, that stress, that, that, that sense of people sort of coming at you and needing your attention. You need to plan for your attention to be back in the present moment. Otherwise, it's going to be co-opted by somebody else or some other energy or some other emotion. So that's one thing to do. Um, another thing to do is to remember how precious your morning and evening is to orient yourself to having dharma or mindfulness central as a value in your life. When you wake up in the morning, before you leave the bed, as soon as consciousness comes online, I do this in the morning, even though I'm sitting, as soon as I realize that I am awake, the first thing I do is I sweep my awareness through my body and do some mindful breathing, just for a few minutes. And then I go to the cushion. But it, what it tells me and it tells my mind and my heart is, this day is gonna be a day of mindfulness. From the moment my consciousness comes online, I'm intending for that view of freedom and happiness to be in the forefront. The Buddha says, keep mindfulness in the forefront of the mind. And so we have to do that intentionally. So don't, don't waste that first 30 seconds before you hit. I like to wake up, hit snooze, and then mindfully drift back. So I'll do some body scanning and fall back to sleep, and then the alarm goes back off. But it reminds me of my intentionality with my practice. Same with as you fall asleep. That is some precious time. Finally, no one's at you. You're laying in bed. You can body sweep as you're falling asleep. It's a great way to go to sleep. Or just sit up in bed for a few minutes, do some meta, something like that. So these moments of morning and evening are precious bookends to your intentionality and your view, that wise view that we keep in front. You will find if you do little things like this that your mind will spontaneously start coming back to presence and you'll notice it more frequently if you set up these, this routine. Another thing to do which can be really helpful is an actual reflection on your practice. Now again, this takes more time, but it helps with establishing continuity. So for example, in the morning, you can write down, I like to keep a journal for just Dharma stuff, Dharma practice stuff. So you can do this in the morning, is just write down an intention for your day that has to do with mindfulness. I'm gonna be mindful at work today. I'm gonna to be mindful with my kids today. I'm gonna to be mindful in that meeting. Today I'm gonna to be mindful while driving and just write it out. Today I'm gonna to be mindful at stoplights. That externalizing and reminding and that intention goes a long way to cueing the mind to what you're gonna be doing. I'm gonna call this person and tell them how grateful I am for them, meta practice those type of intentions but writing it down that is the key that is hugely powerful in the evening right before bed just write down a few notes how was i mindful today how was i successful in my practice oh i got to my cushion i offered this person some generosity oh i remember being aware of anger and i remember getting in touch with that today that small reflection 
is a great bookend to practice. It's a really, really powerful thing to have that intention in the beginning of the day and the end of the day. And again, three minutes of your time is all it takes to say, I was loving to this person. I didn't get stressed out when my boss asked me to do that. And you just keep a journal. And if you walk back through and you look at your mindfulness, you will begin to see that you have a mindfulness practice. Like you really do have some established continuity. It's really, really helpful to be able to do that. So take those moments and those precious moments of morning and evening to do that kind of stuff. The last thing I wanted to say, and I'm going to give you one of these every month. This is something you would do on the weekend when you had some real time, this monthly reflection. If you didn't get it, please let me know. I'd like to get it to you. This is hugely helpful for practice, doing something like this. This is just an example, something similar to this, something that I do. So I wanted to give you an example of how you might do this. This is a reflection on how your mindfulness practice went for the month. And so some of the questions are, one thing I learned about myself or the Dharma this month. One thing I did in my practice that worked well, right? It's just a general intentionality of keeping the Dharma in the forefront. This seems like kind of like a throwaway exercise. Your practice will change significantly if you were to do this regularly. And you will find that your sense of contentment and that bounce in your step will be noticeable because what you'll be doing is bringing wise intention and wise view to the foundation of how you show up in the world. This is priceless, this kind of stuff. So this is just an example. Write your own questions. Um, and even if it's just a single question, but do something at the end. You could also do it at the end of the week. How was my week in mindfulness? Take a few notes in your journal, doing something like that. Those are precious times. Sunday, before work starts again, take a few minutes. How was I mindful this week? You'll start to see that you are establishing a continuity of practice for this kind of stuff. Very powerful. I find this kind of stuff to be hugely supportive for practice. <sighs> so continuity of practice. These are just various things that I've learned and other people have learned to bring continuity and establish samadhi. Samadhi is one of our enlightenment factors. And so you wouldn't think this would be something that establishes concentration. But these are the small little tricks. These are the small little things that keep us mindful. Oftentimes, the first rule about meditation practice is we don't talk about meditation practice. It's like, it's like this thing that we do. And then when we do, it's seen as kind of bragging. So this is why I'm doing this, so we can start to normalize the need to reflect upon our efforts. Because if we don't, the value is lost, right? That nourishment is lost. We have to reflect on our success. Behavioral psychology will tell you the quickest way to establish a new habit is to reflect on the success of that habit every time it happens. Wise view and wise intention tell us the same thing, that we want to keep that in the forefront. It's taken me years to just be able to tell people what I do in practice. And then one time I had told a student, they were asking me about practice, and I was really hesitant. And at the time, I was working on some jhana stuff. And I was like, I sit for two hours a day, sometimes more. And sometimes I do. I go for a year and do that kind of thing. And I hesitated to say it. And then the next week, the person said, you know, I never even thought that I could do that. And they're like, I sat for several extra hours and I had all of these breakthroughs. And I realized if we do not share, we do not know what the normative experience is for our, we've got to be able to share. We've got to be able to share our practice. And so I'll share something about my practice and then we'll close. For the last, <laughs> last few years, because I've been using the insight timer, right? So for the last few years, I had this goal to sit for 365 days in a row to make sure at least for one minute I was sitting every day. The first year I got to 300 
And then I totally forgot to sit. I woke up and like got distracted and just forgot to sit for the whole day. Then I started over and I got to 200 days and I was so excited. And the same thing happened. I just woke up and was like, oh, I got to go do this thing. And then I just didn't sit. <laughs> today, today, literally today is my 201st day of consecutive practice. <laughs> practice. So I am nervous because I know what's going to happen is the cat's going to throw up a hairball or something and I'm going to get distracted. That's not bragging. That's just like sitting. It's just fun. It's just like we're sitting. We're trying to sit continuously. It's what we're doing. So thank you for that. Let's talk about that kind of stuff and let's, let's do it skillfully. Yeah. Let's talk about it skillfully. All right. Let's circle up.